Well, good morning. How about you turn around and say hello to the folks around you? Go ahead and wish them a good morning. Tell them happy Sabbath. If there's no one behind you, just talk to your family and just say hello to them. That kind of thing. I, uh, I, I don't like to drive, particularly, especially um, at, as I have reached this stage of, uh, of ministry. I, I've spent so much time in the car at seasons in my, my experience as a priest that I don't necessarily enjoy driving. That's kind of problematic living here in Grand Isle where you have to drive far away for everything. But on the other hand, I love road trips. I, I love uh, long trips uh, anywhere. And, um, and there are three rules to the road trip, three rules that govern the road trip. Uh, number one, I have often enjoyed the playful exercise of every time the car stops, as some of us here know, um, and anyone gets out of the car, when you get back in the car, you have to say something about yourself that no one knows about you. It's a little game, right? So you stop for the bathroom, you stop for gas. Anytime you get back in the car, everybody in the car has to say one thing about themselves that no one knows. Like, for example, I, I, I'm a little OCD. I'm weird in lots of ways. That's just one of them, right? And, and I can't stand uh, bugs on my windshield. I will drain all of the fluid in the engine to take off one splat of a bug on my windshield. So when I got back in the car, I might say that about myself. I might share that with the people in the car because not many people know about that except you and the entire internet right now as this goes online. Um, the second rule is that um, we, we alternate hours. For every hour that phones are able to be on, phones have to be off and preferably passed up to the front where no one gets tempted, right? So that we actually have conversation with human beings like we used to. And the third rule is that, um, well, I get to ask whatever questions I want in those hours, right? Because we want to get to know each other and we can kind of go deep. And what I have often experienced in my life, as well as with those who I get to travel with, is that the journey is sometimes as memorable as the destination, it's the journey. It's the journey in the car. It's the conversation. It's the laughter. It's the memories. It's the sharing. The journey is just as important as the destination. Same is true in life. Same is true in Lent. Right? Life is, um, of course, not a destination. We have to know where we're going, or perhaps more personally, we have to know to who we are heading. But, but life is a lot as much about um, the journey to get there as it is anything else. And so I just want to say welcome today if anybody is on a journey in life. And maybe you've, got, um, you've had some meandering on the journey. Just want to say welcome. Good to have you here. Because there's a story that's a part of the journey that's really important for us to hear. And I want to fire your imaginations today. Okay, you ready? I want to paint a picture. I want to see if you can see it in your imagination. I want to paint a picture of the temple. Jesus today, in today's gospel from the gospel of John is in the temple. Let's see the temple. You ready? The temple was built by God because that's the, the place where Solomon wanted to honor God. And as they built the temples in Jerusalem, the first one was eventually destroyed when Babylonians sacked Israel and destroyed Jerusalem. But as they went back, they rebuilt the temple. That's the one that Jesus was in. And this is what it would have looked like. The center of the temple 
would have been the Holy of Holies. And the entire temple would have been built around uh, a container that held the Ark of the Covenant, right? The words of God, the Ten Commandments that we just heard, right? Those words inscribed in stone would have been placed in a container, the Ark of the Covenant. And the entire temple was built around the Ark of the Covenant. Inside the Ark of the Covenant was also remnant manna that came from heaven. As the Jewish people, they reserved a special bread in a sacred place and built a temple around it. That was the core, the Holy of Holies. Right in front of that was another holy place where, where, where not everybody could go, just the high priest could go, right? The holy place. And then outside that, so this was like this big, kind of like beautiful, small, sacred center of the temple. Now, on Grand Isle, the largest building that we have is probably the school. It's probably the tallest building. Let's imagine twice as tall as a school. In the middle of the temple, rising from the earth, is the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place. And it's just this big, beautiful, outstanding presence. When you were in the temple area, you went, wow, you're just in awe of God and the glory of what was built to honor him. That's the center of the temple, okay? You can imagine it in your head. Big, tall, beautiful stone, marble, rising from the earth, right? Now, as you, as you entered into that center part, there was uh, an area, a courtyard, and that's where the altar was, right? So there was an altar, and then there was the Holy of Holies. And this was the altar that they would have offered the sacrifice of the Passover lambs. This massive altar. The entire temple was built around sacrifice and worship. So imagine in your head, there's this big stone altar. The, the, the history tells us that on Passover, they, they would have been offering hundreds of thousands of lambs in one day on this altar, huge altar. Priests all around the altar. And then uh, off to the side would have been more priests. They would have been chanting the Psalms in that Passover experience. Big altar right here, right? Now, as you come down the steps from the altar, there was a courtyard for, uh, that's where the, the men could come and pray. And then as you walked out through another set, there was another courtyard, and that's where, that's where the women could pray. Now, over here, on the outside, there was, um, there was a wall here, and you got in, so you could choose the courtyard you went through. As you came down the steps, this area over here, right, on the sides, right? So you had the Holy of Holies, you had the Holy Place, you had the altar, you got the courtyard for the men, courtyard for the women, and then on the sides, right, this is called the outer court, right? And this is where the Gentiles, the pagans, could worship. This is where the sinners could be, on the outside. So if you weren't holy to get into the temple, you'd hang out here on the outside. See if you can see it, ready? There's a wall right here. You go up the steps, you get in. There's a courtyard off to the left. That's where the women's courtyard is. Courtyard off to the right. That's where the men's courtyard. You walk up more steps. There's the altar 
walk through another door, boom, rising from the earth is the holy place in the holy holies. That's the temple. And out here, um, Herod expanded the temple. He was the, the fake king at the time of Jesus. And, and he expanded because he wanted an area where the pagans, the Gentiles, the sinners could worship. Then there was a door here, and then that just kind of led you to the rest of Jerusalem. Now, during Passover, Jerusalem at the time of Jesus had about 80,000 people. But during Passover, over 1 million people from all over Israel, they descended into Jerusalem. That's a lot of people. And everybody's going to the temple. And when you got to the temple, you needed things. Like maybe you were from another country and you wanted to make a donation. And you had foreign money. Well, there were money changers there. They weren't evil. They had a function. And they would take your foreign money, give you Jerusalem money so that you could make a donation. Or maybe you traveled hundreds of miles and you didn't have a lamb for the Passover. Well, you could buy a lamb. So don't get deceived thinking that they were selling t-shirts and merchandise in the temple. That's not, what hap- that's not what's happening today. But because it's Passover, this entire area for the sinners is taken up for this, this stuff going on. And there's no place for the sinners to pray. So Jesus walks in the temple and he sees, he sees this. Y- y'all remember, you remember the story, maybe you heard this before, when Jesus was 12, he went to Jerusalem for Passover and his mom and Joseph and, and Mary, they forgot him. They went back to Nazareth and Jesus was lost in the temple for three days. Y'all ever heard that story? Where was he in the temple? He was out here. And he was debating with the scribes and Pharisees on, well, how do you know who's holy to get into the temple? He was on the steps. These steps right here. Where the sinners were praying and you had to be holy to get inside. So Jesus walks in the temple today. And the reason why Jesus is here is is because in a particular way, Jesus loves sinners. This moment right here. Jesus has come for sinners. His whole mission is about sinners. His whole life is to reconcile sinners. Jesus, he, he loves people. He loves holy people and awesome people and and people who have it all together. And he loves people who are struggling. And he loves people who don't have it all together. He loves people who have questions. He loves people who sometimes make poor decisions. He loves them and he's coming for them. Jesus is in the temple and he sees that there's no room for the sinners. And he drives out the money changers and he drives out everything there. Because zeal for his father's house, but zeal for the people that the father loves has consumed him. That's the gospel. That's what's happening.
these sinners. Many of you are reading a book right now. Hopefully you're enjoying the book. If you don't know what the book is, you can find that in the bulletin later on. But we are on a journey together. In this Lent, we are imagining together Jesus' triumphant journey that starts in Luke chapter 9. It says he was resolutely determined to journey to Jerusalem. And so we're on this journey with Jesus. And as Jesus is on the journey... There would have been some order, not just to the temple, believe it or not, there would have been some order of, of how Jesus taught. Let me give you an example. Let me draw another picture. See if you can see it in your imagination. You ready? Jesus would have been he's standing here. Now, immediately around Jesus would have been the 12 apostles. Why? Because he wants them to hear the words. But by this stage of the game, Jesus has been in ministry for three years. This thousands of people and so every day his apostles are doing crowd control preventing people from crushing jesus as they are doing anything else so right around jesus is the apostles around the apostles are the scribes and pharisees on the outskirts of them would have been the 72 disciples or the other disciples those who are wanting to learn from jesus they're following him learning his words and trying to apply them to his li their lives. So you had the apostles, the scribes and Pharisees, you had the disciples, and then you had another group of people who just kind of heard about Jesus. In your imagination, see if you can see it today. There's a mama over here, and she's got a little baby who's got a fever. And her neighbor, imagine this, her neighbor saw Jesus in another town, and Jesus healed the baby, and so this mama, she's there. She's outside that circle. She's got her baby, and she just wants Jesus to heal her baby. She's not really interested in his words. She just wants her baby healed. There's a guy right here. Imagine this. You can see it in your imagination. There's a guy standing here, and he, he's, he's been struggling with a physical disability his whole life, and he just wants Jesus to heal him. There's another guy over here, and he's got his daughter with him, and, um, and she's possessed by a demon. He doesn't know how it happened, but just imagine she's there on the outside, and he just wants Jesus to get rid of the demon. So they're not really listening to his words. They're just there because they need something. So there's the apostles. Then around the apostles are the scribes and Pharisees. Around the scribes and Pharisees are the disciples. Then there's all these people who need something. And then, way over here. That's where the sinners are. And as Jesus is on the journey to Jerusalem, lots of people are on the journey. And some of them are sinners. Imagine right here, just imagine there's a tax collector and he sees Matthew who's a former tax collector and he's listening to every word that Jesus has but he's a sinner he doesn't belong there 
All this sinner knows is that he has a category. People call him a sinner. He doesn't feel worthy of this whole thing. But he just looks at Jesus and says, there's something different about that guy. And he's a sinner. And he just, gosh, he can't not come. Right on the side of him, way over here, kind of behind a tree, is, is, is a prostitute. She knows Mary Magdalene. She wants to hide and listen at the same time because she's a sinner. She, can't, she cannot not look at Jesus. She looks at Jesus and she says, I have never known a man like that. She can't keep her eyes off of Jesus the way that Jesus is, 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 is pure, the way that he's kind, the way that he confronts evil. You see, the sinners, no one ever even saw them. You're walking down the street, you, you, you don't want to even deal with them. They've never seen those sinners. But Jesus, he sees them. And as he's going to Jerusalem and he stops along the way, and all of a sudden the crowds settle in, the apostles, the scribes and Pharisees, the disciples, people who need something, and those sinners, they began to listen to his words. Imagine. Imagine. When Jesus tells the story of a shepherd who would leave the 99 and go after the one. You can almost see it. Jesus is saying, and the shepherd would leave the 99, and he's looking at them. And, then, and he says, and go after the one. And he lifts his eyes, and he looks at the sinners. All of a sudden, they feel seen. The sinners, like, he's looking at me. Imagine that day. Imagine. The day when Jesus told the story of the prodigal son. Jesus was looking at the apostles and the scribes and Pharisees and the disciples. And then he talked about a son who squandered his life. That woman Jesus is looking right at her. And as he's telling the story, he's looking right at her. She just feels like he is, just knows everything about her. But he's looking at her with compassion. He doesn't see a sinner. He sees a woman. The tax collectors, Jesus talks about the story of the prodigal son, the father who wrapped his arms around his son. He looks at that tax and that tax collector is looking at Jesus, looking at him. And all of a sudden, he, his heart just lifts up. You see, on the journey, there were a lot of people. And some of them were sinners. And as they were on the journey to Jerusalem with Jesus, you can almost hear Jesus say, it's never too late to start the journey. 
day after day, time after time, as Jesus is on the journey, you can just imagine how many times he looked to the fringe, to the people on the outside, to the sinners, and he said, it's never too late to start the journey. It's never too late to start the journey. Say that with me. It's never too late to start the journey. One more time. It's never too late to start the journey. If we are on the journey with Jesus, if we're going to be on this journey to Jerusalem, if we are going to be with Jesus on the journey, let me tell you where the journey is going to end. The journey is going here, to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, Jesus is going to do something for sinners. And I'm one of them. In fact, ironically... The only people who didn't think they were sinners were the people who did this to him. Jesus is going to Jerusalem for sinners. And every step along the way, he picked up followers along the way. And you can almost imagine that every time he came, he looked at them and said, it's never too late to start the journey. Say that with me. It's never too late to start the journey. One more time. It's never too late to start the journey. Some of you are walking into church today. You have been a committed Catholic your entire life. You know more about the Catholic Church than I do. You've been to Mass hundreds of more times than I do. If that's where you are and you feel like God is in your hip, you feel like you have never broken the commandments, then praise God, welcome today. It's, we need you on the journey. But if there are people in church today who are sinners, the only thing he says to you today, it's never too late to start the journey. See, what happens is when you know that you are a sinner, when you know your life hasn't always been easy, when you know that life hasn't always been perfect, when you know that you haven't always been perfect with God, when you know that you are a sinner, sometimes when you look at Jesus... And you think about going forward, sometimes what holds you back is your past. And all you can see is all the stuff you've ever done. And if that's you, if you ever know what that's felt like, if you've ever heard that voice of accusation, I just want to let you know that Jesus on the journey says to you, it's never too late to start the journey. Say that with me. It's never too late to start the journey. Along the way, Jesus intentionally asked people to come to him. Now, here's the thing about the sinners. God will always meet us where we are, but he loves us too much to leave us there. That's the challenge for people like me who are sinners. God's going to meet me here, but don't buy into the modern-day deception that Jesus loves sin Don't buy into the modern-day deception that Jesus says, well, you can do whatever you want. No. Jesus loves everybody where they are. Now watch this. And every person, Jesus says, follow me. The apostles, he said, take a little step. To the disciples, he said, take a little step. To the people who had needs, he said, take a little step. To the sinners, he says, I'll meet you there, but take a step toward me. But just know, it's never too late to start the journey. If you boil it all down, Lent's about a person and a moment. Lent is about this person 
and let peace at this moment. And this moment is for everyone. So what's he saying to you right now? Him. Maybe he's saying, hey, don't be afraid. Maybe he's saying, hey, I know. Maybe he's saying, welcome. But if we just take the next 10 minutes at Mass and we all just did this, if we just went right here and listened to him, what I promise you he's going to say is, it's never too late to start the journey. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And my prayer for all of us today is that we, no matter where we think we fall in this imagery, might keep our eyes on Him and listen to His voice that speaks the truth today that it's never too late to start the journey. Amen.